Dave Bossy was Donald Trump's deputy campaign manager in 2016, serving under Steve Bannon in a race that arguably resulted in the biggest political upset in American history. While he has no formal title this time around, and for a while was briefly banished from Trump world, Bossy is still very much back in the president's orbit, providing strategic advice to top campaign officials while continuing his role as president of Citizens United, the conservative advocacy group that backs the president to the hilt. As the Republican National Convention enters day two, we'll discuss the Trump campaign strategy with Bossy, and we'll get his take on where the race stands on this episode of of skullduggery. Because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I told the American people I did not trade arms for hostages. My heart and my best intentions still tell me that's true, but the facts and the evidence tell me it is not. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. There will be no lies. We will honor the American people with the truth and nothing else. I'm Michael Isagoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. Well, uh, it'll be interesting to talk to Dave Bossy. I don't know that we're going to get much nuance from Dave about the race and uh, the Republican convention, but uh, we can always count on him to be a uh, boisterous and vigorous advocate for his guy, Donald Trump. Yeah, Bossy is always feisty, if nothing else. So... It should be interesting. I don't know. We're into, we got like three more days uh, to go of these uh, conventions. The Democratic convention got good reviews from pretty much everybody, uh, just in terms of the production, in terms of Biden's speech. But there's polling out that shows that it hasn't really changed much in terms of the polling. No Biden convention bounce. Maybe some of uh, his favorability ratings have gone up a little bit. And, you know, I'm sort of expecting the same thing after the Republican convention. You know, we've got three more days to go, so let's see what happens. Uh, There could be some surprises. But I kind of get the feeling that in the current political climate, with so much else that's going on, with COVID, with economic hardship, and with a president who kind of turbocharges the news cycle every single day on his Twitter feed, that what kind of like lasting impact uh, can a convention actually have? I suppose there are voters out there who haven't been paying a lot of attention to this race, and it's the first time that they've had a chance to sit down and actually listen to the message and hear the speeches. But I'm beginning to be skeptical that um, this is going to actually make much of a difference going forward. Yeah, I think what the polls show is that the Democratic convention made Democrats who were already planning to vote for Joe Biden more enthusiastic about doing so. The key question is, did it persuade anybody who was not already there? And, um, you know, he had a he had a 10 point lead, real clear politics average 
uh, among major polls uh, going into the convention. That's about where the race now stands. We will see where it is a week from now after the Republican convention. But I suspect you're right. These conventions will be basically a wash. And then, you know, the campaign starts in earnest with all the ads, saturation ads, which will be uh, all over the airwaves and on our Facebook feeds and Twitter feeds uh, from now through Election Day. So we should all uh, buckle up and uh, get ready for it. I think it's the debates that are really going to matter. Yeah, the debates, I, think that, I agree. That, that side-by-side contrast, you know, whether you think this election, you know, the Trump people want it, want it to be a choice, the Biden people want it to be a referendum, either way, seeing those two going after each other mano a mano and the vice presidential debate as well between Kamala Harris and Vice President Pence, I think that's, you know, if there is a moment where things could kind of break open one way or the other, I think it's the debates. I agree. One other item I think it's worth mentioning, and that is uh, the New York AG, Letitia James, who we talked about a couple of weeks ago for bringing that uh, lawsuit to shut down the NRA, has subpoenaed Eric Trump as part of a uh, investigation into bank fraud and other related matters involving the Trump organization. I do wonder whether we're, we might actually see some criminal charges before Election Day. The Democratic AG's office in uh, New York is not bound by those Justice Department rules that say indictments shouldn't be brought in the uh, closing weeks of an election. So we will see. Certainly something to ask our guest, Dave Bossy about. So let's get right to it. We now have with us for a return appearance on Skullduggery, Dave Bossy, the former deputy campaign manager to Donald Trump in 2016, the president of Citizens United. Dave, welcome back to Skullduggery. Hey, thanks for having me back. So we've got the convention this week, and it seems to be a celebration of our president. In fact, the party hasn't even put out a platform, just simply a statement affirming its enthusiastic support for Donald Trump. How do you feel about that? Well, Mike, in order to change the convention, it was very simple. We, we do have a platform. We have the 2016 platform, which was President Trump's winning platform from 2016 was adopted in whole this con- at this convention. But we, in order to be able to move the convention from Charlotte to Jacksonville and go through all of the machinations, we simply had to invoke Rule 37E, which is a you know arcane rule, but it was a rule which made it that the rules were the same and the platform were the same. And we adopted that. And, and, and by the way, the Republican Party base loved that platform in 2016, and they love it still today. So all we did was reaffirm that in Charlotte over the weekend. Clearly, Dave, you know, we're a long way from 2016. There are new issues facing the country from, you know, COVID-19 to the economic crisis. Doesn't doesn't the party need to deal with the issues of the day, not the issues of four years ago? No, first of all, hey, we have stuff in there about the Panama Canal, Mike. Give me a break, okay? We talk about Russia and China. The platform, the party platform is fundamentally 
the same every four years. For the last 40 years, it's been about the same since Reagan. We change it a little bit periodically, but there are major debates consistently every four years over certain issues. And whether they're the Panama Canal Treaty or the pro-life position of the party, we have those debates. Sometimes they're valuable and sometimes they're not. We just weren't able to have one. We are per- I'm perfectly happy with the platform from 2016. We don't do it minute to minute. The platform is not about moment to moment business. Uh, it's about the long-term philosophy of the party. We do resolutions at the convention that deal with more of the politics of the day. Dave, uh, Donald Trump is behind Joe Biden uh, anywhere from eight to 11 points nationally. Where? where? You oh, know, virtually, stop it. Uh, uh, Don't yeah. even talk about a national poll to me. What are you doing? And he's behind, granted, much closer. He's, but he's behind <laughs> in, in, in the states in, that we in, need to in, win. <laughs> in most of those states as well. Right. But, Go ahead. All right. But going into this convention, you've had one day, you got three more. What do you need to do? How are we going to use this yeah, convention to reverse the trend? So it's a great question. And I didn't, you know, you're, you're, you're right. We do see those public polls. We have, we take issue with those public polls because most of those polls that show us way down, we have a problem with their methodology. We've talked about this and we don't need to go through it here, but that's, that's something that they were wrong. These same exact pollsters, these same people, the same methodology was used in 2016. And clearly we're having this conversation today because they were wrong in 2016, because this time, in 2016, we were down by even greater margins. So President Trump is winning where we need to win. He's on track to win those battleground states that are must wins. So last night's convention, the beginning of this convention, put us in a very good place to begin, showing Tim Scott and Nikki Haley and other people who are average Americans. That's what we are trying to do is show how President Trump's policies have impacted the American people and use non-politicians to tell those stories. And I think you're going to see that trend continue over the next three days. And I will just say, we don't see much, if any, bounce by Joe Biden coming out of his convention, which usually they have one. And so we will see what, if any, bounce we get. And then next week, really the nine-week run to Election Day begins. And I can tell you, we feel very, very optimistic about where we are. I can tell you categorically, 100 uh, percent, I believe that President Trump is going to win on Election Day. You say what, if any, bounce. Are you skeptical that these kinds of conventions, largely virtual, non-traditional well, been conventions? Right. So, so you are questioning whether, whether Trump will get no, I qu- a, a significant well, I bounce? Question the poll- No, I question the pollsters. (laughs) I don't question whether President Trump's message is going to be going to resonate. I question whether or not the pollsters will be honest about it. They're not very honest group. Dave, we've got we've had the covid crisis, which is continuing. We've had the economic crisis, which is still very much continuing and hurting a lot of working American families. What is the play? What's the argument? What's the strategy that is going to win the president this election, given all the um, turmoil out there in the country? I think the American people are going to this week continue to get a very clear message from the president and all of those people that are speaking at the convention about that issue, including last night with the doctor from Louisiana, that the president 
has a very forward-facing, aggressive position on trying to solve the COVID crisis. And, and, and he, look, he shut down the travel from China. He did all of these things early on that Joe Biden disagreed with, by the way. And what he's tried to do is have a balance. That's what the American people want. And I think you, you are seeing this more and more. They want schools to reopen. They want their businesses to be saved and reopened. The, the, the American people want to work. They want to do it in a safe and smart way. And that's what the president's doing. He brought to bear the greatest public-private partnership ever done in, in American history to try to solve this COVID crisis. And he's-, he's But Dave, Dave, you're he's not- He's brought you're... everything to bear, all the government assets to bear to try to do this, to try to solve this problem. And I think he's done an, an incredible job. You're not going to win this race on COVID. I mean, for all the talk about public-private partnership, everybody has seen time and again the clips of Donald Trump dismissing the COVID crisis, saying it's going to go away, saying nobody's going to get hurt. It's all going to wash away. We've all seen that time and again, and he did it for months. So it's going to be really Mike, hard Mike, for Mike, you Mike, to persuade the American public. Mike, Donald Trump, President Trump is an optimist. President Trump, as a leader, wants the American people to hear the message that we are going to get through this. Only guys like Joe Biden, okay, and members of the mainstream media are the ones who have this dour outlook that we are stuck in this Dave, 170,000 deaths. I mean, that's reality. Yeah. That's yeah. real, right? It, it is it's real. Not it is being real. Dour. I, Mike, nowhere did I say that it wasn't real. And nowhere does it, nowhere does the president from the beginning has said one person who's died from this Chinese virus is too many, one. And so he has done everything he can. And I understand that people want to play the blame game. I understand, I get it, I got it, okay? But that's not what we're gonna do. And we're not gonna sit back and take the punches without making sure that the American people are educated to what really transpired. And you watch these press conferences over the months where the president would bring in the leadership of the different industries that are being impacted. He would bring in the leadership of these firms trying to create solutions to COVID. It's not that he's sitting around doing nothing. It's that the Democrats hate this president more than they love the country, and they will do anything to win. And that is what it comes down to. So it's all politics. And guess what? The American people know it. You were the deputy campaign manager in 2016, uh, the race that nobody expected you were going to win, and you won. So you certainly can take some of the credit for that. But you had a great target for, especially for you, Dave Bossie, in Hillary Clinton. You'd spent years investigating her, years making uh, movies and videos attacking her, and she did have a likability gap that Joe Biden simply does not. So how do you take the game plans you had in 2016 against Hillary Clinton and make them work against a much more likable person in Joe Biden? Yeah, we're going to make sure that the American people understand that Joe Biden uh, wants to raise your taxes. Joe Biden wants to destroy the policies of Donald Trump in creating energy independence, that he wants more regulation on businesses. I don't think people think that that's nice. I think that people are going to say that that's not a nice guy. I think that if you want to talk about the big issues of the day and you want to talk about law and order 
versus Joe Biden's support of anarchy in the streets. Okay, the president. The where president where has States, Joe Biden pre- endorsed anarchy in the streets? Give me the quote. Give me the citation hey, where hey, Joe Mike, Biden hey, Mike, has endorsed where is, where is anarchy Biden, where in the streets. Joe Bi- hey, hey, Mike, where is Joe Biden one time for one minute? absolutely declared that the violence and the looting that is going on in these cities should not happen and that we should honor our policemen and our policewomen and the men and women in blue who defend our neighborhoods every single day. Okay. He has done nothing to help them. He has done nothing to help this thing. Well, he has said most cops are good. He said oh, that over you. and over oh, boy, again, okay? You. And thanks. and I thanks. think he that, also that, has denounced- in this, in this crisis, that yeah. doesn't mean anything. In this crisis, that doesn't mean anything. He, they, they, he's a, it's a lack of leadership. This, this, this guy's hiding in his basement. He's being run by his consultants, okay? And we all know it. Everyone in America knows it, okay? And so we're gonna see what Joe Biden does over the next 70 days. We're gonna see him have to come out of the basement and try to campaign. And he's going to have to do it. And, and when he starts to have to take questions from guys like you on a daily basis, we'll see how he does. And we'll see how the American people feel about him in 70 days. His campaign is based on hiding. His campaign is, look, we have had no traditional campaigning in effect like we saw in 16 and in 12 and in 08. We're both candidates, maybe an incumbent and one outsider, running for office. And they get asked questions by the media all the time, coming into events and out of events, during the day, holding press conferences on their planes, okay? And that's part of the vetting process that the American people see and expect. Joe Biden has been hiding in his basement and takes no questions from anyone. President Trump is out there every day taking questions, answering questions. He's out there every day doing something and he's out there traveling. He traveled more in a week than, the, than Joe Biden has done in the last six months. All right. so Dave, hey, Dave, wait, I got, a, I got a question for Dave here. So last week, sure. Steve Bannon was hauled off the yacht of a, ch- a fugitive Chinese tycoon and charged with defrauding the same everyday people that you all, you talked about that you're trying to reach in this, uh, this convention, defrauded them of their own hard-earned money that they donated to this foundation to build a wall and he was took that money and he spent it on personal expenses what's your response to that yeah you know i've only seen what i've read uh, and, and well, it, you don't dispute that that's true right <laughs> i mean in terms of the i mean he was arrested he was charged well yeah but that doesn't mean that it's true look uh, you know there's many people in the country that have allegations made against them and then it doesn't turn out to be true i am hopeful uh, and I know Steve, and I, I am hopeful that the accusations are not true. Have you talked to him since the uh, charges? I, were, were I public? have not. No, I have not. I just want to come back to your you know, comment before that Biden is for anarchy in the streets. Here's his exact quote on the, uh, the first night of the, uh, of the convention. Quote, most cops are good, but the fact uh, is the bad yeah. ones need to be identified and prosecuted. Do you disagree with that? I disagree with the uh, with you trying to build up Joe Biden's support of the police department. Okay, look, Mike, I understand the question. I got it, and it wasn't about. I'm not saying you personally. I'm saying the me the media has to uh, it has to do their job here. Okay, the mainstream media wants to attack Donald Trump, and the problem for the mainstream media is they've spent five years, the 2016 and the last four years 
trying to destroy Donald Trump, trying to destroy his presidency, whether it was the fake Russia collusion, the Ukraine, you name it, they've tried to destroy this man and his family, okay? And we're not gonna have any of it. We're gonna, we're gonna push back. And we want the mainstream media to treat Joe Biden the same way they treat Donald Trump, no, no less. Okay, so let's ask Joe Biden some tough questions. The problem is he's not answering them and he's not available to answer them. And that's where we are today. So Donald Trump has no problem. President Trump has no problem answering people's questions. But Joe Biden does. And, it, and we see it every day. So we're going to we'll we'll get to we'll, we'll hopefully get to some of these answers. But but Joe Biden has done has shown no leadership on this crisis that is just engulfed some of our cities and continue to. Portland has been a wreck for two months. No leadership whatsoever out of the governor, out of the mayor, and out of Joe Biden. So are we going to see a lot of campaign ads focusing on the violence in some of these cities like Portland and the spike in violence in urban centers? Is that going to be a main campaign theme? Well, I think it should be. Uh, if I was there doing it, I would definitely be urging that this president has been so supportive of the women and men in blue that that or group of people and their families understand it. They know that President Trump has their back. And they know, and, and by the way, you see a lot of these unions, state, local, and federal uh, uh, unions of police officers uh, are supporting President Trump. Some of them historically support the Democrat in presidential races. They have come out for, for Donald Trump because they know he has their back. And this is not a talk, it's action. And that's the problem for Joe Biden. It's, it's a little bit of talk when he comes out of his basement and no action. There's been a lot of uh, kind of experts talking about the importance of the black vote in this election. And so I wanted to ask you, how important sure. is, the, is the black vote to uh, Donald Trump's reelection prospects? You know, the president is the president of all Americans. And one of the things that he's does, done- Does he understand done, that? Does he understand that when he well, you look goes at the on Twitter policy. and starts attacking half the country? You look at the economic policies, Mike, economic, good economic policies are colorblind. And what they've done for the American people, all of them, and it doesn't matter whether you're black or Hispanic, Asian, male, female, college educated, non-college educated, every walk of life has virtually had pre-Chinese virus. It, the economy was on fire. We had, the low, we had the highest employment, the lowest unemployment in all of those sectors. The metrics that were, uh, were our GDP and, and real wage growth, all of these things were on the rise for the first time in a long time. And the president built an economy for all Americans. And that's what he believes in. And so when you ask about the African-American vote, the, it is important, but it's as important as any other. And he did very well in 2016 uh, with the African-American vote because he had that he had that saying what the hell do you have to lose these politicians have been lying to you to get your vote for a long time and so what he has done is he's tried to to really match up over the last four years with criminal justice reform and, and you look at the pardons of alice mary johnson and others 
How about the computation of Roger Stone? Is that one well, you want to tell? Well, we're talking about, I think the, uh, the question, Mike, was about the African-American community. I'll get to, I'll, I'll answer a question about Roger in a second. Well, you know, you brought up pardon, so I, I just want well, to. Well, I get yeah. it, I get it. But, that, but yeah. if you look at what he's done with criminal justice reform, I think that, and you look at the economic uh, benefits to the African-American community over the last four years, you know, we, he has a very good story to tell. And, you know, it doesn't matter who you are in this country. You want your family, your children to have opportunities. You want the economic opportunities and the educational opportunities. Who's done more for black, the historical black colleges and universities than Donald Trump? No one. And so these are the stories, to go back to an qu earlier question, those are the stories that you're going to hear about this week during the convention. But it's really those images and stories that we're going to be trying to show the American people over the next nine weeks. But Dave, uh, according to a video uh, audio tape obtained by Politico back in 2016 during the transition, at Trump Tower, Donald Trump said, he told a bunch of civil rights leaders who were there, that he benefited by lower black turnout. It sounds like he is in favor of suppressing the black vote. Oh, stop it. Come on. Well, that, here, wait, 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 wait. Here's the quote. Give me a break. Many blacks break. didn't go out to vote for Hillary because the they liked percentage. me. He Here's the, the quote. Many, many blacks didn't go out to vote for Hillary because they liked me. That was almost as good as getting the vote, you know, and it was great. That's what he said. That sounds no, like. Okay. Look, here's, here's part of this thing, okay? Part of, part, of the, part of politics is if there are Bernie Sanders supporters out there today, which there are, and they on election day aren't highly motivated to go vote for Joe Biden and they stay home, that helps, that helps Donald Trump, okay? If they like Donald Trump's economic policies and they flip and they vote for Donald Trump, okay, that's worth two because it takes one away from Biden and adds one to President Trump. Those are, that's a common sense aspect of what, when you're trying to look at the voter blocks. So what we, what, what we believe is, if you look at the percentage, President Trump got more votes than John McCain, got more votes in the African-American community than Mitt Romney. He had a very good message okay. to sell. Right, and Hillary that's what Clinton, we're going to be. And, and but, we're going to do that again. We're going to okay. do that again. But Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton got 88 percent of the black vote in 2016. And sure. that and that was less than than Barack Obama. So you're not doing great with black voters. Well, we, we did great in 2016. We only got six, seven percent of the vote. And that was enough to help us car carry us to victory. So we're looking to raise all boats. OK, that's what our economic message is. And that's the message of law and order, because, look, the African-American community wants wants the police officers, the men and women who patrol their streets because crime is committed, you know, in the urban centers and their crime is committed you know, in rural areas, people, it doesn't matter who you are. You want, when you call 911 for the police department to answer and respond and help you. It doesn't matter who you are. And we could try to make this into one group against, pitted against another. That's not what it's about. It's about what, what makes America great again, again. And that's what President Trump's going to be working on over the next nine weeks. And that's why we have a great story to tell. President Trump's policy agenda and what he did for the first four years is go is the reason he's going to get reelected and he is going to get reelected. Uh, Dave, whatever the president's policy is, there's little dispute that he is temperamental, that he blows up, 
that he makes angry allegations at uh, people who he can't often, uh, that he can't often support. And you know this because you were the target of the president's ire last year when uh, the his campaign condemned you for using the president's no, name no, likeness. Didn't. Well, I have no, the no, statement No, it didn't, here. Mike. No, it didn't, Mike. Go, go get the statement and read it. I, ha it, well, I have it right in front of me. Mike, Mike, that would Mike, look, I, 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 you're going to go here. That's, you do whatever you want. It's your show. But it, my name's not in that statement, Mike. What what prompted the statement? Mike, Mike, Mike that's what not, prompted my it? name's not in the statement. So you just made an allegation that's not true. Well, he gave- No, it's not a well, Mike. You no, just no, made hold an on allegation a second. that's not Dave, true. Dave, the statement was issued- I'm not going to hold issued. on a second, Mike. I'm not well, going to. Wait, well, if you're going to no, say- No, you want to make an allegation, and then I'm going to point out that you just made, you just said something that's not true. Okay. You did. All right. All you're right. going to acknowledge that? I acknowledge that your no, name you're, is you're gonna not in the statement. No, you're going to acknowledge that you just made hold an allegation that's not true. Dave. No. Dave. Dave. Yes. I'm listening finish. to you. Okay. Your your name is not in the statement. But that's right. It's, it was that's issued right. it's after Axiom. What prompted the statement? What prompted the President Trump's campaign to issue the statement condemning the use of the president's a name a likeness? A fake in, news story. A fake news story. What was the news Which story? Which is what you guys are good at. So that's what it was. What was the news story? You, 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 hey. You're going to do this. You tell the story, Mike. Go ahead. I'll just correct no, no, no. you every time the, you're wrong. The, okay. No, no. I'm not okay. sitting here. I'm not your prop. You go no, ahead. No, no. I bet, Dave. I'm not Dave. a prop, Mike. All go right. for it, baby. All Let's right. go. Here, I'm, I'm reading from Politico right here, uh, January 2020. This year, in the spring, Dave Bossie was banished from President Trump's world, just like so many high-profile aides before him. In just a matter of six months, Bossie has gone from confident to pariah to confident once again. But... They issued, they pointed out that the statement was issued after allegations that Bossy was using one of his polit political groups to profit off the president's name. Yep. Okay. And what's your question, Mike? My the question. I said it was a fake news story. Look, right. political organizations, we used for eight years, we used Barack Obama's name. For eight years before that, we used jo uh, George Bush's name. W political organizations on both sides of the aisle mentioned the president. Okay. They made an issue of it. I had a conversation with the president. It was, it, it was over. That's the extent of it, period. So what's fake about the story? That we, well, you, you ask a question. What, what do you, I'm not, no, I'm not I think my to, point, Dave, I think my point, Dave, was that the president, I know what your point is. The, no, the president makes a lot of allegations, blows his top and makes accusations against people. In this case, he read a story in Axios. You're saying it was a fake story, but the president, yep. instead of calling you first, uh, allowed his uh, campaign to issue this statement hey, condemning hey, hey, anybody hey, hey, who here's, did here's what the Axios reported that you did okay hey mike yeah the president's a busy guy i don't expect the president of the united states to pick up the phone to call me and ask me about the story okay so the staff did it and guess what i had to waste the president's time to have a conversation with him about it and instead of doing it first we did it last and it was over and it's been over Okay. Well, listen, and and if I'm reading correctly and hearing you correctly, you are back in the president's confidence. Correct? 
Sure. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And and so, what role are you playing in helping to shape the campaign strategy? Are you talking to the president regularly? Are you talking to Jared Kushner? Are you talking to who in the Trump world yeah. are you uh, offering your insights into how to win this race too? Yeah. So, I, and, and we can talk about some of the strategy in a second. I, I don't ever advertise who I talk to, never have, never will. Uh, but I do talk to all of those folks uh, and, and at the highest level of the campaign. And, uh, and, and I think that we've made uh, a, a strategic change. Uh, the president made a strategic change in, the, in some of the leadership. Um, Brad I think Parscale that the campaign, was, was removed as campaign manager. Right. And, so, and Brad's obviously still doing the data aspect of it in the digital world. And a very important role, the same role he played in 2016. And Bill Stepien and his team have come in. And I'd say, uh, you know, that what he's done is he's taken what Brad built and really flipped a switch and really put it in hyperdrive. And I would just say to you uh, that I think Bill has, and, and his team and the group of people that I work with, uh, you know, regularly are doing an amazing job. And they're really focused on uh, uh, on the battleground states that are, that are important uh, and, and, and are, are in a very good place to take that nine-week run to the finish line. Are there any states you didn't carry in 2016 you think you can carry this time? I do. I do. Which ones? Um, I think there are three. I think uh, uh, Nevada uh, is definitely in play. Uh, Minnesota is 100% winnable. Uh, and New Hampshire. I think all three of those states uh, the president um, uh, can and, and, and probably will win. Uh, and, and so those are, and if you, if you want to get into the reasons behind them, we can, but the, the, those, those three states, to answer your question, are incredibly gettable. Those are states that we didn't win. We came close. We lost by about 30 or 35,000 votes statewide in Nevada. We lost in Minnesota just very closely. And then we lost by about 2,700 votes in New Hampshire. So all three of those were gettable in 16, but we just came up short and I think we're in a good place now. Which of the battlegrounds do you think are right now closest? I mean, what do you think about like, say, Arizona? The ones that we won? You're, you're saying the ones that we won last time that, that, uh, that are battlegrounds? Yeah, like, like Arizona? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Arizona, it's, it's a really interesting question. Arizona, you know, has historically over the last many presidential cycles have been has trended away from republicans even though we're winning it it's been getting closer and closer and i think uh, and we won it we won it in 2016 pretty easily we have a tough senate race there uh this year which is not helping the president's campaign uh, in essence uh some states where we have a, a great senate candidate and a great race it helps us sometimes the president helps that candidate in arizona the senate race is 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 a, is a tough one uh, and not looking uh, particularly great at the moment, uh, but that can change. But the president's going to win Arizona, and I think that uh, we're going to we're going to do very well there. And I think New Mexico is actually interesting as well, right next door. How about North Carolina? Yeah, North Carolina, we're going to win and and win. You know, I think I think it's not going to be a question. Uh, you know, about that. I, I really do think we have to work very hard over the next couple of months, just like we did in 2016. We worked really hard to get North Carolina in order. I would say, looking back, 
four years ago, we are in a better place today uh, than we were this time four years ago to make that run. And the absentee ballot early vote operation in North Carolina was a tremendous one in 16 and is going to be again in 2020. Um, we tend to do very well. We have traditional election day voters in North Carolina. And so I think there'll be a high voter turnout on election day again, um, just like four years ago. And I think we win election day in a big way. And uh, I think we're, we're I'm, 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 I'm not as concerned. I think that till, to just go to the Senate race for a second, that the president, you know, will, will help Tom Tillis over the finish line. Tom Tillis is up for re-election and doing and running a very good race. And I think the two of them will, 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 will do that. I will tell you coming, just spending the weekend in Charlotte, North Carolina for the, for the RNC meeting and the convention yesterday, uh, there's a lot of animosity amongst people that the governor didn't allow the convention to happen. And just your, uh, uh, whether I was in a restaurant or a cab, people were very upset because they looked at, and this is, this, is a, a, this is kind of the anecdotal stuff that's important, is after being just crushed by, by COVID-19 over the last six months, like every American has been, and their business is impacted and their family's impacted, they were looking at the convention as a way to try to get some of that revenue generation that they needed over that couple of weeks. Uh, you know, I talked to a police officer, I, I talked to a police officer who, you know, was looking for all of that time and overtime to be able to help his family recoup from, uh, you know, the last six months. And they lost out on revenue. Cab, cab drivers were angry that they weren't going to get the business. It was very interesting. And I think so the governor's going to have, I think, a, a, a tough race on his hands. Uh, and the yeah, better the President know, Trump Dave. does, the better it's going to be. Dave, I don't know how you could have held that convention in Charlotte. Look at what happened last week in in North Carolina at the at UNC, where they had to send thousands of students home after yeah. so many tested positive upon arriving on campus. So, given the Are you prevalence saying we were irresponsible? of the disease, Is that what you no, just said? I'm saying you were saying that the governor Sounded was like getting it. was getting no, the governor was getting pushback over not having the convention. It in light of what the reality is that we saw in North Carolina just last yeah. week, it seems like it was a pretty smart move. Yeah, here, 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 here's, here's- That would have saved the health something. of your delegates. Yeah, thanks for being concerned. But yeah. we tested every single delegate that came the week before they came. We tested everybody the day they arrived. We had a full medical staff there doing, and we had every single day, uh, we had uh, COVID checks every day. Including uh, you, one you, person. Have you been tested? Uh, I've been tested multiple times. I had All one right, of my kids. I, one of my one of my kids tested positive recently. So I was oh, I've been tested. Mul well, I've been tested multiple times, and I take this stuff very seriously. Uh, I have personally, I have uh, you know uh, medical conditions that would make it very bad for me to get it. So I'm I'm very cautious about it. Well, stay safe. Uh, I want to ask you uh, one question on mail-in ballots. That's clearly sure. going to be a big issue in this campaign. The president has said repeatedly now that um, it could be rife, mail-in balloting could be rife with fraud and all sorts of um, problems that could raise questions about the uh, integrity of the election. Now, 
I want to get your take on that. And also, you know, as head of Citizens United, are you participating in any of the litigation over mail-in balloting or do you plan to? As an organization, we're not at the moment. We will look at getting involved post-election if that's necessary. Um, but we, we haven't done anything yet. Really, the Republican National Committee has taken the lead on that. And they have filed litigation in state after state after state, trying to make sure that you know, that uh, that this ballot craziness, this mayhem that's going to ensue, you know, doesn't happen. But what's the solution here? Clearly, states are going to mail-in balloting because they have millions of voters who are afraid to show up in the polls given COVID. Yeah. Um, well, the, you know, so, Mike, they're, Mike, they're so afraid, they're afraid are, because the media continues to perpetrate the, the story that they ought to be afraid. What, report that 170,000 Americans have died? Yeah. I mean, well, is, well, is the, that, the numbers, the media's look, fault? You know, when the numbers were getting worse in Florida, everybody loved to beat their chest about how bad it is getting in Florida. Over the last couple of weeks, you haven't heard Florida's COVID numbers at all. Why? Because they're back, to, they had a spike and they're back down to normal or, or not whatever the new normal is, the under 5%. And so, so that's not true. That true. was all over it the Sunday shows. Stop all it. over the Sunday shows, they were oh, oh, they were reporting the that, the, that, that the good nobody, news is the run- oh, that nobody watches. Okay, let's just look. Well, yeah. I and mean, that's just an example. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the media has reported that those numbers are coming down in good. Florida. So maybe, and so Texas. maybe as but people stand they're going up in the Midwest. So as their people are going to Walmart and to Kmart and to go get their groceries and to do the things that they think are important in their lives with the right precautions they're wearing masks they're stay, they're keeping distance right people people are get unfortunately for us as americans people are getting used to they're getting used to uh this new normal of having to live in this situation by november another 10 weeks from now nine or 10 weeks you know another two and a half months go by people are are even more ingrained in it and standing in line at the polls is not you know something to do your duty to vote for whichever candidate you want I think that that's not a problem. Um, and I think I'd rather see that. And I'd rather see early voting extended or absentee ballots, you know, used. And people can make a request for an absentee ballot and get it. They can go to their polling place early and not have to stand in the line for during those early vote days. Uh, we don't need to okay, have, Dave, we don't need but, chaos and we don't need uh, fraud to be baked into the system, uh, by the way, that we can't even be sure can handle the stress. We've never done it before. Why are we, there's not, I, I think there's a, there's a balance here and there's, there's nobody trying to create a balance. But look, Dave, these are state decisions in the end. The states run the elections, not the federal government. And clearly you have a lot of states that have decided they're going to go to mail-in ballots, send ballots to every registered voter, let people vote, put it in the mail, and, um, and then they'll be counted. If that's the case, what do you do? Play this out. Um, Mike, there's no guarantee that the people get those ballots. You don't even know if they're still living right. there. You don't know if they're alive. There's so many. I problems. understand that's the argument. It's not but, an argument, Mike. That's the perspective, sense, dude. Come on. All right. But you know from, that from but from the perspective of the campaign, uh-huh. what do you do about it if given that this is what the states have said they're going to do? Do you file lawsuits to try to stop mail-in balloting when the votes come in? Do you challenge the well, results those, 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 as a result well, I, of this? Does, yeah, it's a, uh, it's, a great, it's a great question, but that's a lot of what the RNC has been doing is trying to deal with litigation now in order to try and stop it 
as opposed to waiting until it's too late. Look, part of the problem is going to be is, are we going to have a winner on election day? You know, I mean, if they try to do all of this is when, when is enough enough? When do, when do they try to truck in ballots and try to continue to do it after election day? Where, where, what are the rules going to be? Uh, and that's where the litigation comes into place. As I said earlier, I'm not involved in any of the litigation, so I don't know the details of it. But uh, but we do have a lot of it going on. But put on your put on your uh, forecasting uh, cap. What do you think? How do you think this plays out? When do you think we'll know who won the election? And if it's in dispute before the courts, what happens in uh, next January? Yeah. It's, it, well, first of all, I, I you know. In order to not have that happen, I think one of the ways to do that is to hopefully win this litigation in court it, with all of the mailing out ballots to every every person on a voter roll. Uh, it, it's just in, it's it's not the right way to do it. I think that Donald Trump's going to win so big, it's not going to be in question. Hey, Dave, the first big public interaction between President Trump and um, Joe Biden is going to be September 29th, I think, at the first debate. Give us a preview uh, of the debate. You've seen both of them. They both debated extensively. Yeah. And also, will they be in the same room together? Uh, well, they, they ought to be. I don't see why they wouldn't be. I mean, that's kind of silly. Well, there's talk that the commission will actually do it remotely, but I don't know. You Anything heard. to help Joe Biden, I guess. You know, that's just a that's that's Are you crazy. taking a shot at the debate commission. Yeah, I think I just did. I'm not sure. Maybe um, <laughs> Look, they're living the problem with the debate commission is that they're, they developed, uh, you know, debates and a schedule for debates in a time that we're not living in. Meaning, you know, the first debate is September 29th. Hey guys, do you know when the first ballots go out? Uh, it's a trick question, but do you got, I mean, September 4th. Yeah, around not the- September 4th, right? right. right? Uh, so people listening don't under necessarily get that, that, that ballots are going to start to be, to go out in 16 states. 16 states plus Washington, D.C., I believe, starting September 4th, which means millions, if not tens of millions of votes will have been cast prior to the first debate. So it's it, because you, I mean, I, look, common sense me, to me means people get a ballot. They're not going to hold it for a month. They're going to get it on September 5th or 6th. You're not going to hold it until September 29th to watch a debate. You're going to vote and send it back. And so... I think the debate commission is doing a disservice to the American people, in essence, that these in, in this world of COVID, in this world of early vote, absentee ballots, and then the debate over mail-in ballots, that it's bad. And, and without traditional campaigning, as I talked about earlier, you're not getting that vetting. You're not getting the answering of questions by these candidates on a daily basis. And the debates, I would have seen, I would have liked to have seen the, the, the debate commission add more debates or move the debates earlier to give the American people all of the information before they get to, before they vote. And I think that that's, I think that's fair. I think that's what should have been done. Um, and I think the debate commission dropped the ball. I, I, I really do. I think having three debates after potentially tens of millions of people are voted, it, it misses, it kind of misses the point. And, Dave, and, and uh, if, I could, to, if I could, uh, just for one quick second and I, sure. on the debates, because uh, yeah. just to follow up on the final part of your question, which is, look, Joe Biden's a great debater. Um, you know, he, he, historically, he's debated a lot of really, really tough opponents. I think he did. I think everybody would say um, that he did very well against Paul Ryan in, in that debate in 08. He's 
he's done a, he's he's been a United States senator. He's been there whatever you know nearly fifty years in the in in public life and as a debater uh, and as somebody who's just really good at that type of skill. It's a learned skill. I think he's exceptional. And I think that uh, okay, it's it sounds it sounds like you are raising ex, uh, expectations and lowering them, lowering them for, I mean, for the president. Lowering them for the president. I didn't even I mean, mention the president. The campaigns. Yet. I didn't even mention the president. All right, the campaigns. The president's at, a good okay, debater. All right, but no, no, no. he won the okay, he won the but, election but, but, on no. debating Hillary Clinton. I think that those were those meanwhile were pivotal. Meanwhile, the, me, the campaign, meanwhile Joe Biden the Trump campaign ads. Meanwhile, the Trump campaign ads depict him as being uh, all but senile, in cognitive decline, slurring over, stumbling over his words. So, like, which is it? He's the greatest debater in the world or he's senile? (laughs) Come on. Well, here's the thing, guys. When you hide in your base. You don't think he lost a step? I think he probably has. And I I do. I think you and I think any. I do think he has. You know, I, 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 I'm you're, you're, I'm asking you the questions. No, 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 I, no, no. And, and I'm not trying to put you in a bad spot. But, but when you look at film, if, if we were doing the offense and the defense, you know, in a pregame, like to watch the tape of guys, you know, in, in debate situations, you'd be watching President Trump from 2016. You'd be watching him from the general election, from the primaries, trying to glean You'd be watching Joe Biden trying to glean. What, what does he do well? What's he not do well? I think if you look at tape of Joe Biden, you know, over the years, I do. I think it's, a, I think it's not a far-fetched thing to say his age has caught up to him. And that's, I'm not saying that it's a, uh, you know, that negatively. My parents are older than him. I, you know, they're, they're fine. He's, he's a fine guy. But it's not uh, what I want as president of the United States. And I think that the debates are going to showcase that. But I will say to your to go to your question is that he gave this speech last week and everybody said, hey, he gave a great speech. Well, my point is when you hide in your basement and you have all the time in the world to practice your speech, it's not exactly a high bar to say you gave a decent speech. So what do you think of the speech? You know, I thought he was boring. I thought he was boring. I think that's <laughs> but I think that's part of his strategy to be boring. How would you rate the speeches from last night? You know, I, um, I, well, look, I, I thought Donald Trump Jr. was was great. Uh, I thought Tim Scott was outstanding. Uh, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of, of Senator Scott's. I think I think, I, you know, Ronna McDaniel gave a great speech as the RNC chair, but she she was one of the live speeches. And that's a hard thing to do. So I give her credit for that. Uh, would, would you would you agree that Kimberly Goyfell or, uh, was a little bit loud? Uh Never. Uh, no, no, Kimberly, Kim, Kimberly, Kimberly is uh, a tremendous, tremendously skilled and talented she was person. shouting the whole time, Dave. She it was a nonstop shout. No, uh, no, 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 I don't, I, I disagree taped. with that. And I, 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 you know, look, I, th- I think she's a passionate supporter of the president and, you know, is, is a tremendous advocate for the president. And, you know, being on television you know, over the years, uh, being involved in the campaign now as she is, you know, being somebody on stage last night, I think she delivers an impassioned plea. And this, and, and I've heard nothing but positive things about uh, last night's production. I'll give, I'll give props to the team at the campaign who, who put it together because just to, just to put it in perspective, guys, last week the Democrats had months to put theirs together and they did a fine job, you know, and they learned every night, right? We watched theirs. Uh, and and the campaign team made is making ours, I think, a little bit more dynamic. 
than because they saw what the Democrats did, what worked and what didn't. I think that, uh, and, and, and I think that's a fair thing when you get to go second, you, you, you know, you get a little bit of that. But I think the production last night was outstanding. And, 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 and the team did an amazing job in, in putting it together in only a short period. Remember, we only had a few weeks. The president canceled Jacksonville just a few weeks ago. So the team really pulled together a miracle, in my opinion. Last question, Dave. Uh, uh, every uh, ca- every campaign season, people speculate <laughs> about an October surprise wow. on either side. As you look at this campaign right now, do you think we're going to see October surprises? And if so, what do you think they'll be? <laughs> man, oh man, I haven't thought about that one. Uh, I don't usually deal in... Well, you should start. I, 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 well, you, you just made me. Uh, you, you, yeah. you know, I think I'm hopeful that we're going to see a lot of campaigning in October, which would be a surprise in that we haven't had any. And I'm hopeful that we're going to be in a position as a country to do that. Um, and that would be a nice surprise. I don't know. I'll bet you're hoping it's nothing like the three, the 72 hours in October, the three surprises that your campaign got. I don't remember those. Oh, <laughs> Access Hollywood tape. I, I try to. Right. I'm a guy who can compartmentalize things, so I try to. I try to tie it off and, and move past it. And it's one of my strengths. That's how you survive. <laughs> well, it I'll is, just. Mike, it is. I'll just throw out a few possibilities. Ahead, uh, we could get an indictment from the New York AG of the Trump Organization and members of the president's family for uh, bank fraud or other matters. And on uh, your side, um, you know, uh, Barr could release a Durham report. Uh, we don't know what it's going to say or how it will conclude, but that's certainly something that um, I know Democrats are uh, apprehensive about. Yeah, you know, the Durham operation has been going on a long time. I was hoping that, you know, and I know you were too, you guys were too, that it would be out by now, right? That we would know what it is. And I do not like uh, getting into post-Labor Day on those types of things. I think it's, I think it's detrimental to us as a country. Uh, and those things can just wait until post-election. So you hope the AG no, no, does not, not No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying Durham historically, well, historically you- we don't like to see those things come out in the election cycle this late. But you see the politicization of what's going on in, in all of these, you know, investigation in, in these units. And I, and I would and I, I would hope I, I think that if the New York AG did something, it would backfire. And I, I think that that's that I, I hope those things don't I hope that one doesn't happen. I, I would I, I would like to see the Durham report out as soon as possible. Maybe 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 they can get it out next week after the convention and before. Campaign. Do you have any reason to think it could be coming next no, week? No, I don't know that. I would. I, I'm just hopeful. I, look, I'm hoping that it gets out because the American people. We've waited a long time. The American people have waited a long time to find out what the Obama Biden White House did, and and whether or not you know Comey, Clapper, Brennan, and others, uh, Susan Rice, and and others really participated in in running this operation at the highest levels. And, and, and it may not live up to your friend Sean Hannity's expectations well, here. No, Mike, you um, and I've done this Barr before. Has already hey, we've said, done this before, right? Yeah. We've seen this. We've yeah. seen this stuff before. So, yeah, it might not. But I do think that it's better for the American people to know one way or the other. And so, you know, I would hope that it's not in October, um, you know, uh, because then then the backlash of it, right, it equals it out. And, 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 and instead of talking about the importance of what happened, we'll be talking about the, pol- the political act, you know, side of it. 
Well, Dave, I want to thank you for joining us once again on Skullduggery. You've got a uh, a, a new book that's going to be coming out soon. I, I do. It, 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 you know, it it's uh, uh, Trump America First, and it's uh, mine with Corey Lewandowski again, the two of us, Corey Lewandowski and Dave Bossy. Uh, it's our third, it's our third yeah. uh, effort, <laughs> and uh, maybe we can come uh, back when the book's out and, and talk about it uh, in October. Maybe that'll be an October surprise. <laughs> That'll be the October surprise. You're always welcome on Skullduggery. Hey, thanks thanks guys. for joining no, us. I appreciate it.